Well, hello, welcome everyone. I'm Emma Walsh. I'm the CEO of Parents at Work and I'll be your host for today's special event discussion. If it's the first time you've joined us for a special event, then you're very welcome. We have over 50 people from all around Australia that we're expecting to join us today. And Parents at Work is actually a proud sponsor of these three special events. And the idea is that we're connecting you with experts in the community to assist with the daily juggle of career and family life. So many of us um, are challenged by. So please share our events with people in your community. What we'd like to do, and um, in a moment I'm going to uh, introduce our special guest, Jane Jackson. But before we do, I really wanted to get uh, make sure you felt very welcome uh, to participate in this uh, special event. And your questions do matter. It really helps Jane and I actually navigate um, the discussion. So we'd love you to contribute by asking questions. You'll notice that on this webinar we actually have you on mute. That keeps the um, static that sometimes can come across the wire um, down, but you can certainly contribute by using the questions panel. Um, and those questions will come through to me and I'll make sure um, we answer those along the way. We're also recording today's uh, session, so if you can't make the whole hour, that's fine. Um, we'll send you a recording afterwards. So what are we discussing today? Navigating your career in 2017. Well, we're not long into the new year, and perhaps some of you are already thinking about the next 12 months ahead and wondering what lies ahead. For many people, we've all been here at one stage in our life or another, where we wonder if what we're doing is right, and if our career is actually satisfying enough, perhaps manageable, or is it actually really overwhelming and it's, it's perhaps time for a change. Look, I think that's entirely normal, and I would be certainly interested in Jane's comments, and I think it's healthy even. Um, but what is hard is knowing about what to do next when we want to make a change, or if we're breaking back into a career after a break, that can be even more challenging. So I'm delighted to introduce the well-known career coach and author, Jane Jackson, to guide us through the next hour and share her tips on navigating your career. So uh, we've all joined this call for a reason, to have a think about what you'd like to ask Jane along the way, as I said, and type that into the question box. Jane's also written a book around navigating career crosswords, so I'm going to ask her about that book, um, first of all, to get us started and, and warmed up on the call. So um, Jane, to guide us through the conversation, can you share with us your the key things you're going to cover off today um, and tell us more about your work? And, and I'm really interested to know what prompted you to write the book. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your webinar Welcome. today, and I'm thrilled to be here and to share as much information about taking control of your career as I possibly can. But maybe it's just a quick uh, introduction to start off with. I'm a career management coach, and I specialise in career transition and career development coaching. I write about careers, I podcast about careers, I coach one-on-one, conduct group workshops all on careers. I'm really passionate about that. Um, and I've been coaching for over 17 years now um, in Singapore and in Sydney. And my clients are actually from all over the world. I coach remotely uh, via Zoom and Skype as well as face-to-face. -face. So I'm on a mission and my mission is to make careers guidance accessible and affordable to everyone who needs it. Mm. Because some people are fortunate that if they were they're going through a redundancy, but they're provided with a program to support them, but not everyone always gets support. So what about those who are feeling a little bit lost? So that's why I wrote my book, because I thought in order to make 
careers guidance accessible to everyone who needs it, they need to be able to get something that isn't going to cost a lot. So mm. Navigating mm. Career Crossroads was born. Um, it reached number one on Amazon Australia in the career section, which I was really proud about. And it's available as an ebook and also as a paperback book on my website as well as on Amazon. And so for free guidance and advice, mm. I also host my podcast, which is called Your Career Podcast, mm. where I interview fascinating professionals who've made really amazing career changes. Mm. And I do that because if you hear about other people's stories of how they've made a change and they've either um, transitioned into different industries or different types of job functions, mm. or maybe transitioned into entrepreneurship, it might give you that little bit of a spark mm. to think about what else you can do as well, because we can all take control of our careers. Mm. Um, and so today, the key things that I'm going to cover are the seven essential steps to take control of your career or to make a career change. And what those seven steps are, first of all, to confidently manage change, mm -hmm. to really assess what makes you tick, to create an effective resume because it's marketing material and all the other marketing materials around that with regard to cover letters and of course your LinkedIn profile as well. Mm -hmm. How to express your professional image in person and online and then exploring all the different job search strategies, how to work with recruiters, how to use online job boards, how to network, how to find them the hidden jobs, and also how to relate your true value and impress people at interviews. Watch the mm. before, during, and after interviews, because there's plenty to prepare. Mm. And if you don't prepare, you won't be successful. Preparation is the key. And finally, strategies for success. And just touch on how to negotiate the best offer, make it a win-win, as well as onboarding into your new role. Okay, um, it's great. There's lots to cover. We'll get stuck into it. But I just wanted to comment on this um, sense of being in control of your career because my experience is that for many people that I've coached over the years, that sense of actually that lack of control, that really um, their career has really happened by gravity to them. Whatever has been um, the easiest job that perhaps might have been closest to them, that sort of pulled them in that direction or they were recommended by a friend or their boss put them up for the next, um, the next gig, whatever it might be. But for many people that feel that 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 has just happened to them, their career has happened to them. And at some stage of point in life, you, particularly if a life change has happened, like having a baby or redundancy and so on, so many people are, are forced to question themselves, right, how did I get here? You know, what am I doing here? And actually, oh no, what do I do now? How do I actually um, find my way out of here? And if I was to do that, how would I actually find something else? Not just the practical part around you know, getting a job and, as you say, the interview strategies and so on. But what would I do? The amount of times people have said to me, oh, I think I'd love to do something different, but I just don't know what. And so the, the career rut continues, and that's what I, I call it. And obviously over time, then that obviously um, impacts people's work-life happiness and well-being. Mm -hmm. And it has obviously all sorts of flow-on effects. So I'm interested in really exploring that sense of um, career control or perhaps lack of it that people feel. And I thought we might start with a poll, if that's okay with you. Okay, and awesome. we'll ask people who are on the line now to um, just participate. And I just thought we'd ask this question around actually what frustrates you the most about um, your career. So let me launch that poll now. It'll come up on your screen. And if you could just, we've just put in a couple of things we thought might be some of the the top ones, um, maybe you could pick one of the ones that uh, perhaps most frustrates you about your career at this point. 
So I'll, I'll give that a moment for people to vote. Thank you. They're coming in and we'll, um, we'll reveal in just a minute. Okay, really interesting um, how many are actually, you know, what their results are skewing towards. Um, we might just give you five more seconds to get your vote in and um, we'll close the poll off in five, four, three, two, one. Excellent. What interesting results. There you go. We're just sharing that up on the screen now. What do you make of that, James? Hmm, let me have a look. Ah, number one, lack of work-life balance, 30% of you. Lack of fulfillment, your manager, sorry about that, guys. Lack of reward is the least most frustrating thing, and office politics obviously is out there. Lack of work-life balance. You know, we spend so much of our time at work. Did you know that in our lives we spend, if we work 8 to 10 hour days, between 78,000 hours and 90,000 hours, in our lifetime working mm. and mm. you know no wonder lack of work life balances is, is way up there um and we what was that second one it was lack of fulfillment lack of yeah lack, lack of fulfillment and my manager. manager and actually office politics all of those three are all, all at 20 20 percent so so they're pretty pretty even and so really it's a lot to do with the meaning of your life, what's mm. most important to you and you know why we're so frustrated mm. in our careers if Work-life balance we, we, we can tackle, but you know that lack of fulfillment? That's one thing that if you feel a lot happier, even if you are working very long hours, you're feeling fulfilled, it doesn't feel as if it's that hard work. Mm. And we all have a career anchor. And um, these anchors could be general managerial anchor mm -hmm. or a general mm -hmm. functional anchor or mm -hmm. a entrepreneurial anchor, mm -hmm. pure challenge, autonomy, dedication to force and service, or lifestyle. Mm. And with those anchors, they hold true for us all throughout our lives. And if we veer away from our true anchor that pulls us in one direction, mm. we will always feel that little lack of satisfaction. Most of us don't know what our anchors are. Mm. And we're told, especially from a very young age, maybe by our parents or by our teachers, oh, you're pretty good at this, this is what the career should be. Or you're fulfilling a desire of your parents that maybe want a doctor or a lawyer mm. or whatever mm. it might be. Mm. And so you start your career and it's always exciting when you start your career because that first salary that you get, the first mm. paycheck, is mm. always exciting. Do you remember your first Yes, paycheck? I certainly do. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that seems to be the reason for being. We're going to get our own money yes. now, which is great. But then, over time, if you are veering away from your income, mm. and say if you, you become very technically, functionally competent, mm. um, but your anchor is actually general managerial, mm. then you're going to feel unfulfilled. If you very much are a general managerial anchor, and you like pulling the teams together and developing the strategy for an organization, but you end up in a very technically functional role mm. where it's, it's highly analytical and detail-oriented, it's not you. Mm. Um, but you might be really good at it, so you get promoted, or you get offered more money. And you think, oh, the promotion's good, the money is good, I'll mm. go that way. And then you get further and further away from what your true pull is. And because most people don't, don't even know what their true pull is, they let this go for 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 years. Yes. And suddenly, midlife crisis. And this mm. really, more than anything else, is why people have a midlife crisis. It's a lack of fulfillment. Mm. So we need earlier on to find out what it is. I have to admit to myself, mm. I didn't find my true, true anchor and start to follow it properly until I turned 40. 
mm. that was 17 years ago mm. and when I did and this is when I started coaching as an outplacement coach for a global organization in Singapore the first two or three weeks I thought oh my goodness I'm home Mm. This, this is what I was born to do. Why did I fat about for so long? But everything else that I did was predominantly in corporate training. It was good. Yeah. And I worked in the health and fitness industry. I worked in the airline industry. I was always doing some sort of training role. It was good, but it wasn't until I was helping one individual at a time find out their true passion and direction in their career that I realized this is all I ever want to do. And I never want to retire. If I can do this every day, yeah. Forever, I would be very happy. And if I can help others to actually find that passion mm. um, in their careers mm. and tap into it and feel fulfilled, mm. plus gain that work life balance that they want as well, then, then I'm really satisfied. Oh, look, I think if you can bottle and sell that, Jane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's passion. No, it's passion. If yeah. you know what your anchor is and you yeah. follow it, you will feel that passion. Yeah. I, I, I just yeah. get so excited about it. <laughs> I'm talking about it because I love it so much and yeah. I love for everyone to love what they do so much yes. as well. Yes. No, I, I, I hear you and I feel the same. So it does feel timely then that we would start with. I've got your slides up on the screen now. Um, this, this, seven, I love it, deadly mistakes. <laughs> you can't recover from your buried. Um, the, seven, the seven mistakes of job seekers, and even that's an interesting um, title, not only the deadly piece, but the job seekers, because I think for so many of us, um, to, to your point, we seek jobs rather than fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, in essence, where the first problem lies because of all those expectations that we have of ourselves and of others and what we think we need and so on. So I'd be really interested in here. What are these deadly mistakes? So what can we learn from you? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, there are, there are seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe. Um, I'll just go through yeah. each of them. Yeah. If you don't have clarity and confidence, mm. then how are you supposed to move forward? Mm. You need to know what you want. But mm. if you lack confidence, you're going to be afraid to go for what you want. Mm. And so what, what, I, what I'd like to do is to, to cover exactly what it is that's holding you back, what's making you afraid. Mm. And um, I, I certainly I do this in my book and also in, in coaching individuals as well, is to tap into what is that self-limiting belief, mm -hmm. okay? And how can you gain the clarity so that you know you're going to be fulfilling your true values. And then the mm -hmm. second deadly mistake mm -hmm. is how, uh, you don't understand what really makes you tick. And so what you need to do is to assess what your values are, your skills and knowledge, uh, what motivates you, what demotivates you, all of the different uh, aspects that actually make for a satisfying career. Mm -hmm. We need to analyze that and see, okay, if this is what you really want, how much of it are you fulfilling now? And if you're not fulfilling it, what other steps do you need to take in order to satisfy it? A third deadly mistake is not knowing how to create a really good resume and not understanding your communication strategy. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a generic resume, well, that's going to be very generic. And so that means you're casting the net very wide and you won't just get anything. Mm -hmm. um, but if you know very clearly what it is that you want to do, what makes your heart sing, what your career anchors are, then what you can do is you can tailor a resume that projects you into the desired direction. You know what's interesting is most mm -hmm. people 
with resumes. Um, it's like ancient history. Mm. Authors mm. Oh, totally. Yes, I, an obituary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so boring. Yeah. I'm an ex recruiter and I've gone through so many resumes. And sometimes I laugh when I see the really long ones 15 page resumes. Um, <laughs> that's definitely mm. a no no. And, um, and because people want to put absolutely everything in their resumes, it just it doesn't yeah. work. I'm, all it is is marketing. And so if, if you have a piece of marketing material that's targeted at your desired audience, then that is crafted very, very carefully to capture the attention of whoever it is that you want to impress. The next thing, after creating a, a good resume and having a very, very clear communication strategy, is to understand what is your personal brand. Mm. Most of branding, personal branding, mm. is it's a buzzword at the moment, but most people don't even know what their brand is. Mm. They're not even aware of how they appear to others. Mm. So you really need to think about how am I perceived in the workplace? Mm. How am I perceived in general life, really? Do mm. I appear confident? Do I appear professional? Do I look the part mm. as well? So when it comes to image, there's your online image, and mm. then there is your, uh, your visual and physical image when someone actually meets you. So, that, so if, if you don't understand what your brand is, and that's another one of your deadly mistakes, mm. the next deadly mistake is you don't understand what are the true job search strategies. There are lots of different job search strategies, and we'll keep talking about it later on uh, during the webinar as well. But it, it's not just hopping onto seek.com yeah. for a job, and that's what most people do. Yeah. Find behind the computer, yeah. and they think, Oh, I'm just going to click apply, 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 and then they complain that no one responds. So, if you send everything out into cyberspace and it's like a black hole, um, it's because you haven't done enough. There are other things you need to do. Um, you need to realize the best ways to work with recruiters. Mm. You need to understand how to network mm. and where can you find those hidden dots. So, if mm. you don't understand that, then you're not going to have as effective a job search. And then, if people don't prepare for interviews, this mm. is my next deadly sin. If you don't prepare for interviews and you think they're going to walk in there and wing it, mm. think again because people these days behavioral questions are very, very common. Mm. Um, you know, tell mm. me about a time when. Mm. Have you ever experienced conflict in the workplace? You know, has there been a time when you failed? What did you learn from it? What they're asking for are your stories. Mm. And if you don't yeah, and think about the best examples you could give during the interview, mm. then you're not going to come across as strongly. So preparation is the key, and there are lots of things that you can do when you uh, go through that interview process, before, during, and after, to ensure that you convert very strongly. And then finally, they don't know how to um, negotiate, uh, you don't know what you're worth, you don't even You've got this self-limiting belief that you think, oh, if someone offers me something, I'll just have to take it. But no, if someone makes you an offer, you know what? There could be room for negotiation. And if you do research and you understand what your true worth is and what you need in yourself, then you can negotiate effectively. Mm. Um, most people don't know how to settle into a new role and get people onboarding mm. um, effectively. But there's plenty that you can do uh, before you even start in the world to start positioning yourself for success as well. So all of these mistakes, if anyone's making them, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> there, there are steps you can take to avoid them. And that's basically what I go through in the book and with my online programs and coach individuals through mm -hmm. a career transition.
Well, I think that's great. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good place to sort of navigate some of this conversation, particularly in um, relation to some of the poll questions we've got. I can't help but think that, you know, really one in two uh, on all this that are just that most critical starting point, as we say. Because at the end of the day, we don't have, as you say, clarity or confidence about really what you'd like to see play out for your career, um, the next job, promotion, whatever it might be that you've got an aspiration around. Um, then you can't possibly work out how. <laughs> so I do think that so many people skip that step, jump into the how, and quickly go, oh no, no, that's not possible, and can stop themselves from going on to have whatever you know, future success they might want to have, right? You are absolutely yeah. right. You know, when the, especially when I'm working with my career transition clients who might have gone through redundancy or they've just had enough of their previous job, yeah. what they think is, okay, I'm just going to send out my resume willy nilly and I'm going to look for another job because I just need to get another job very yes. quickly. But I like to bring them in a little bit. But why would it be important just to take a little bit of a break to clear your head? so that you can rebuild your confidence again. Because you know, if you're really unhappy, it's very likely that you've been in a reasonably stressful situation. Um, these days, organizational change, restructures, merger acquisitions, downsizing, all affects our career. And there's a certain amount of anxiety when there's change going on. And I have to say, before I wrote my book, I conducted a survey of about 200 of my past clients, and I asked them if they're if they're looking for another role, what is it that's most important to them? Would they like to read a book on resumes, how to write an effective resume, or to read a book that tells you how to interview effectively? And my responses were quite surprising because 68% came back to me and said they wanted to find out exactly what they wanted to be when they grew up and how to rebuild their confidence when it had been shattered a little bit. And that changed my entire focus when I wrote my book, um, because I decided, okay, I'm going to focus on resonance interviews as well as part of the book, but I devoted two huge chapters to rebuilding confidence and understanding exactly what's most important to you and what makes you tick in your career. Um, you know, with, with regard to confidence, when there are lots and lots of changes in your career, sometimes you just don't know what to do in order to rebuild your career. And what I found is, is that you need to not bottle everything up. You need to talk things through um, with someone who's a trusted advisor, uh, someone who you know one can trust, because there are some people you know who are uh, a little bit negative in your life, no point talking to them because they're not going to be able to support you as well. But find some positive people who always come up with some great solutions. Uh, another way that you can help to rebuild your confidence is to take control actually of your physical um, health as well. To go and do some exercise. Make sure that you uh, can relax your body by stretching out, go and do the exercise, go and join a gym. Um, Whatever it is that you enjoy, you can be swimming, you can be walking, you can be running, because as soon as you're physically fit, you feel a lot more in control of your body, and therefore more in control of your life, too. Okay? Another thing is, is to rebuild your confidence. You might want to go through uh, some meditations as well. Actually, in, in some of the slides that we've got, if you 
come up. So I've got this managing stressful times. I've decided that we're seeing now. Oh, the next one. one. Sorry, yeah, the next one. So talking through the trusted yeah. advisors, right? Thinking this this is a little bit like a morning affirmations is part of you know, your meditation process. Because what I love is to start a day um, really confidently by telling yourself that you can do all of the things that you're hoping for. Affirmations such as, I feel healthy and strong today, or I have all I need to make today a great day. I have it within me to solve any challenges that occur today. If you start the day with a really positive outlook, the rest of the day will fall into place, I can guarantee it. Okay? And so the next thing that would be useful is to actually take action. If you're feeling a little bit down, then Oh, I've gone a little bit out of order. That's <laughs> all right. I'm not being a very good slide host, am I? Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm talking away with people that have these issues, but that's okay. Um, now, what was I saying? I was saying, oh, taking action. Let's talk about taking action, first of all. Even if you're feeling a little bit down, please think about your body language. Um, can I just move ahead for yeah, one sure. bit? Yeah, sure. little smiley face. Um, we're just jumping forward. Ah, here we go. It's a lovely smiley face because you know when you're feeling really down, your body language tends to be a little bit negative. You slump, your head goes down, you don't smile as much. But you can actually trick your body into feeling a lot happier if you pull yourself up to a full height, pull your shoulders back, lift your head up, and smile. In fact, if you do this now, everybody who's listening, smile. Take a deep breath and just think, I really believe in myself, I can do it. You will start to feel a lot more confident. This is one of the things you need to do before you walk into interviews as well. Pull yourself up to your full height, walk in with fantastic body, positive body language and a big smile, and it will be so much better for you. Yes, yeah, so I'm suggesting that. It's such a um, subtle but you know huge difference that it makes. I think so many people when they um, are in interviews, for example, um, or they feel like they're having a critical career conversation. It might not be an interview, but having a critical career conversation with a sponsor, a mentor, or a boss. And the expectation and the nervousness, and, the, and they can find themselves really playing a role where you know they seem to lose their empowerment, their confidence, and, and um, the voice is a little bit, the couching, and the extra, you know, extra filler words that we use. And if we can just go in with it, there's a much more, so I can say, a positive intent to get a positive outcome. Mm. We can just quickly put ourselves in a, in a mind space that says, you know what, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to trust getting a positive outcome if I have any positive approach to this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. The most yeah. important thing is to knock that self-limiting belief off your shoulder. Yeah. I think all of us have a little bit of self-limiting belief, and especially if we're feeling stressed, yeah. think, oh, we just can't cope. Um, oh, I'm not good. Oh, I'm never going to be able to find another job. And if, if you if you have that self-limiting belief, you're going to be holding yourself back. Believe in yourself. But you know, if you if you don't understand what's most important to you and what you can do, then it's very difficult to have positive self-belief. Um, and that's why assessing what makes you tick is the next step in the way that I want to coach people. First, it's to rebuild their self-confidence yeah. through a whole lot of different yeah. tools and techniques like getting organized, talking yeah. to others, yeah. exercising, using positive body language, etc. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. Um, and the next one is to assess what makes you tick. 
actually on the next slide I've just got a link um, if you through again, uh, where if you are feeling exceptionally stressed, I have a free download, which is an audio, which is just a 10 minute meditation, which is all about mm. self empowerment. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to it, I'm sorry, it's my voice again, so I do have quite a soporific voice, but it's just 10 minutes of positive affirmations and meditations, which will empower you to feel a lot more relaxed and in control of yourself. And so if that helps, I've had feedback from quite a number of clients who listen to it regularly, that just helps them to put them in a positive frame of mind before they start to either market themselves if they're looking for a job or even just to handle a really tough day that's, that's coming up ahead. Mm, that's a great tip. Yeah. Um, so I hope that that's, that's useful for you as well. And so moving on to the next one, which is, I'm sure what makes you really tick, that's dead in sake. We need to assess what really makes you tick. And we think there are so many things that are part of our, our lives. It's not just the career, it's you know, our, our health, our family, our children, our husbands, you know, what about a nice place to live, um, your physical environment. So many different uh, things that are important to us that sometimes when we think about the career, we lose track of all the other stuff mm. around us that's really important. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, Emma. But oh, definitely. We get so busy, don't we? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think um, it's really such a busy life when we, especially in all the major cities we're living in around Australia, and those of you that are parents listening in as well. Um, the actual logistics of getting to work, getting home again, getting kids to school, getting homework done, getting what the boss wants done. You know, if you're lucky, you've got any, you know, time to even think about yourself by the time you bed. And I think um, it is really up to us to, to think about, okay, if we fulfillment and, you know, work life balance and, and a sense of happiness is really important to us and we know we need that. Um, in order to live a you know, better, fulfilled, happier life. And we do need to make time for it. We do need to be able to hold the mirror up and go, okay, this isn't working for me. I need to make a change. Yeah. But also at the same time, recognise that there'll be ups and downs. I know that I certainly had some really crazy periods of um, balancing work and family life, as a lot of my friends and family would attest to. But what I try and do in those moments is to say, okay, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? And almost set myself a date yeah. when I know, actually, it's really busy at the moment, but I know that's the next, um, there'll be a little reprieve there. And, you know, it helps get me back on track and also get through the busy period. And I might be going through it. have a plan. Yeah. If you have a plan if you know yeah. where we're going, yeah. that makes all the difference. Um, but sometimes we just don't know where to start. Yeah. So if you don't know where to start, you don't know what you're supposed to assess. Yeah. Um, and so I have quite a number of um, assessments that I like to take people through. Maybe yeah. we'll just have a look at the, the next slide. I've got just about all of them there. Oh, good. You know, one yeah. of the most important things I like to do right at the beginning is, you know, when, when you're thinking about a career change or a life change or any form of career change, it's good to take stock, first of all, to lay the foundations. And one of the first things that I, I like to do is to go through a life inventory. Yes. And in this life inventory, what I do is I assess where you're at in your career, where you're at with your finances, where you're at with regard to your relationships, and your physical environment plus your career. So that's five different aspects of your entire life that I like to assess. And there's no right or wrong with this assessment. It's just, is everything okay? And yes. um, I have a whole list of, of different 
think, say if it's to do with relationships, one of the questions I ask is, is there anyone that you would feel uncomfortable with uh, if you were going to meet them in the street? <laughs> okay, would you cross the road to avoid this person? And, and that's, that means unresolved issues with certain people. And if you, you say, oh, no, no, I haven't resolved that issue yet, that means that's one aspect of your life that is an unresolved issue, mm. and it drains your energy. Um, mm. By admitting it to yourself, you, you're acknowledging it, mm. and then you decide, okay, there's someone that mm, I just don't want to see anymore because there's an issue. I need to fix it, or I'm going to let it go. Yeah. And if you think it's absolutely okay, it's not draining my energy, then that's fine. But you're aware of it, so you've made mm. that choice. Things like Say if it's to do with your finances, I'm saving you know, a certain percentage of my, my income every month, and so I'm working towards my goal. Are you doing that? If you're not, is, are you okay with that? If you're okay with that, it's not an issue. If you're not okay with it, you're aware, and you're going to start to take action. So my life inventory is where are you at at this phase in your life? What are you okay with, and what are you not okay with? Yeah. Because everything you're not okay with is a toleration. That means yeah. you're tolerating a whole lot of stuff in your life and you're not doing anything about it. What are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't you taking action? Isn't your life important? Yeah. And so because you become so self-aware of your life once you've done this inventory, you think, no, I could be so much happier. Mm. Why don't I do something about it? And it's funny when I'm coaching my clients, I go, yeah, this is interesting. Are you going to do anything about it or not? And yeah. They, they sort of sit there quietly and some burst into tears. What, what have I been doing for all these years? Um, or else others say, you know, there are things I need to do now. And they go, I know what I need to do. And off they go and they start taking action. And that's one of the things that really helps you to build your self-confidence. Yes. Oh, I love that. What are you tolerating? I love that. I'm going to make that list tonight at home. I think there's a lot I'm tolerating at home in particular. And you, know, you know why toleration is such an energy trainer? It's because, that, for example, I'll, I'll give you a really simple example. Say we've got a fluorescent light on the ceiling, and it's fine, but then it starts to flicker. And it's flickering, but it's still working. So it's still giving you light, but it's a little bit annoying. And every time you walk past that light and it's flickering, you think, oh, I'm that light's flickering. And it's so irritating. So for that split second or minute or whatever, you're thinking about how annoyed you are about that stupid fluorescent light. But you know what? If you just changed the light bulb and it didn't flicker anymore, you would walk under that light and it wouldn't, it wouldn't distract you from what you're doing. So that's what a toleration is. Stuff that isn't good, you're letting it bother you for weeks or days or weeks or months or years. I bet if we all sat back and thought about mm. it, there are things that we've tolerated for a long time. Mm. You know, it's mm. not just not just the mother in law or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I love the whole, you know, this empowerment piece around you can choose to change it or not. Mm. And then what is the consequence of either of those things? And I guess if you choose to not do anything about it, you kind of have to let it go, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> and if you if you want to tolerate it, go ahead. If you want to let it bother you, it's it's your choice, it's your life. But at least you've got an awareness. And mm. all I like is for you to have an awareness of what's important to you and what's not, which yeah. actually leads us very nicely to our values. We, we mm -hmm. can stay on this slide because I've got okay. just on one side. Right. But, but your values, there are things that drive you. What's important? And depending on the phase in your life, and I'm assuming that quite a lot of our listeners are young moms, perhaps, who are juggling 
career and life and work or whatever. But you know, our values when we were younger would be quite different from what they are when you get a little bit older, yes. when you take a mortgage, when you get married, when you have children, and you know you all values are good. It could be excitement or money or power or status or recognition, or it could be affiliation and work-life balance and, and family and harmony and gaining knowledge or so many different things that you you find are important at different phases in your life. So it's good to take stock of what really drives you, what is not negotiable. Because, you know, have you ever thought, about a time in your life when everything seemed okay. So family's good, spouse is good, children are good, money's all right, career's okay, but you're never quite a hundred percent happy. And there's mm. something something missing, but you don't know what, you can't quite pinpoint it. Mm. Most people don't know why they're feeling that mm. little bit of dissatisfaction. But what it usually is, is that one of your top driving values is not met. And if it is status, and you don't have status, of course there'll be something, you know, you could be happy in every other aspect of your life, but without status, and if that's number one, then you're not going to be happy. So you need to find it. If not in your work life, you need to find it in your personal life. So assessing your values is really important. Yeah. Um, another thing that I like to find out is what motivates and demotivates you. Yeah. Um, some people like to have, say, a long commute because they get to work on their computer while they're on the train or whatever. But I find long commutes very dissatisfying. Um, and yeah. I've, I've resigned from two jobs because of long commutes because I just yeah. couldn't take it anymore. Once was when I was in London and it was an hour and a half into work, an hour and a half back. That's three hours of my life. Every day, 15 hours a week, it was mm. ridiculous. So I resigned and moved to a less glamorous job but close at home that only took me half an hour to get there. And mm. I ended up with so many extra hours a week, I was so much happier mm. uh, because you know, having that time and work life balance is important to me. So mm. think about what motivates and demotivates you. Understand what your skills and knowledge are because. What, what are the technical competencies that you have and what are the personal traits that you've got that could be potentially um, transferable skills if you're thinking about making a career change as well. Mm. Um, and then think about if you're not happy in your career at the moment, what would actually make you happy? Um, I, I've got here just a little visual of your dream role. So functionally, what is it that you like doing? Okay, do you want to be an operations manager or do you enjoy being executive assistant or do you love being a marketing director or whatever it is? Is that the job function that really makes you, you know, your heart sing? Um, what industry do you want to work in? You know, do you prefer you know, the hospitality industry or the tobacco industry or mining or whatever it might be? There are different industries that you can choose and then within those industries, which are the companies that might be of interest to you? Which companies? Um, really do you admire that maybe reflect the same values as you as well. Mm. Um, when it comes to the dream role, the physical location mm. might be important to you. I mean, mm. maybe you want to be in Singapore or London, mm. Zurich or Sydney mm. or Brisbane mm. or Adelaide. Um, and then what about the salary base? What, how much is enough? Yes. Think about how much do you actually need to earn not be able to uh, pay the bills, mm. because that's obviously important. Um, what, what would be the basis of promotion that would be um, important to you, that you mm. think, think would really resonate with you? For some people, they think, oh, tenure 
the longer yeah. I'm there um, and then I get promoted, that would be good. Other yeah. people would rather be promoted on merit, you know, even yeah. if you've been there a short period of time yeah. you're a whiz kid and you do great things, yeah. is that what would make you um, more satisfied? Um, and with regard to a clean role, it's also the corporate culture, the yeah. kind of boss, the team environment, the people that you hang yeah. around with. Yeah, it's a really good, it's called, I call it making a bucket list, yeah, right? Yeah. And I often do get people to write down their ideal job description. Just on one page, try and write down all the things that are important to them that would like to see on the bucket list. Um, and that creates a benchmark by which you can start. So as opportunities start to come your way, whether it's you found a job ad you'd like to apply for, someone suggested you meet someone else about a job, etc. You've got a benchmark to come back to. Um, and really assess the, the opportunity against what you had on your list. Yeah. Um, and without it, I mean, sometimes we think we can just do that off the top of our head. But my experience of it is we've just got so many competing needs flying around in our head, trying to win that and assess opportunities as they come against this collective thought that is often at odds with each other. It's almost a nightmare. So that, I mean, winding it down, I think, and creating that ideal bucket list is um, a tip that I often use with people in coaching and other stuff because yeah. um, for all the reasons you explained. Yeah. When, when you think about it with coaching, I mean, as, as a co what are we really? A coach is like a bus. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you're in your present state yeah. and you're here, maybe standing here, and then you want to be at your desired location or your desired state. So a coach basically takes you from where you are to where you want to be. But if you don't know where you want to be and what it looks like, smells like, feels like, how can you possibly get there? Yeah. You take lots of different detours and you don't navigate your career or your life very well. Mm. Um, so you're absolutely right. Writing everything down, I like to call it the dream role. Um, mm. Sometimes some people have some real pie-in-the-sky dream roles um, <laughs> and it's a little bit unrealistic. So we still need to make a, a reality check as well as to mm. what's possible. But if you lay those foundations and you know where you're at in your life, you know what your values are, you know what motivates you, you know what skills and knowledge you've got, and is it possible to transition into this type of role, then yeah, very often we can set a plan. It might not be possible tomorrow to get that dream role, mm. but it might be a 12 months, 18 months, two years. Yeah, you plan. set up for yeah. a transition and a success with yeah. that. Oh, look, we've had a question in um, from someone already, so thank you for that. This one is particularly around returning to work from maternity leave and wanting to go part-time, but actually um, feeling that, you know, confused about how that might affect their career. So here's the thing, this person's obviously had a look at, you know, what they want and what's important to them and so on and has put that out there, um, but sounds like um, has a, a worry, a concern around the impact of that choice on their career brand, for want of a better word. Mm, yeah, it's it's yeah. such a common problem, yeah. especially with mums returning from work, yeah. because you know, you've got competing priorities now, you mm. want to be a good mother, you don't mm. want to feel that, that guilt, you know, for going back to work again. Mm. But So you need to have a flexible work environment, mm. or to work part-time. It's it's challenging to find part-time work, because obviously there isn't there aren't as many part-time roles advertised out there. It's still possible to find them, but if you're on a career trajectory and you still want to keep going up the career ladder, um, what you might need to do, it depends on the organisation that you work for because there are some family friendly organisations and there are some where 
honestly, the type of work that you do, you need to be there and clock in, clock out every day for a certain number of hours. If that's the case where you're returning to, then you might want to think again if that's the best environment for you. Because what will happen is if they don't support part-time work and they don't actually support someone who requires flexibility in the workplace, it'll undermine your confidence when you go back and you won't be given those opportunities. It's just a reality, unfortunately. Mm. But there are some companies that, and here's where you need to network and ask the questions and do your research to find which organizations actually support return to work mums or people who would like to work mm. part-time. Uh, because if they're family friendly and they support maybe job sharing mm. uh, or flexible work environments, then that would probably be more satisfying for you. I'll give you an example. My, my daughter works in a major uh, fashion online fashion business in London and their entire department um, have agreed upon something that has been so rewarding for them is that they have managed to all agree upon and negotiate a four-day work week for everybody and the productivity just went through the roof as a result of it. They still work the same number of hours though, they're long days, there's four days, but they get three days off during the week. But that has, is what everyone collectively decided that they preferred. But for the person who's asked this question and would like to get back into the workplace on a part-time basis, have that talk with your manager first of all to see is it possible to negotiate a flexible working day and see what his or her response is to you. Because if they're willing to and they know that the value that you bring is more valuable than just the hours that you're sitting in the office, then they may be willing to negotiate you know, maybe shorter hours or certain days that you can go in. But usually when you negotiate for part-time work, you end up working a little bit longer <laughs> on the days that you're actually there uh, just to make up for it. Um, depends on the role that you're in and the type of work that you're doing. Um, if it's the sort of work where you have to be there to you know, answer calls or hold meetings or whatever, it might not be possible. So here's where you might need to realign what you want to do in your career. Be able to take a step back for a short period of time um, until the kids reach a certain age and then go back in full time again. So there, there are a lot of things that you need to assess. I can't give one blanket yeah. answer to yeah, I agree. I mean, it's and that's why it's so complicated, and that's why it is hard. If there was an easy solution, I guess it would have been employed by now, and it, you know everyone would be doing it. But I can say that I think part of the challenge is the difference between part-time work and flexible work. Again, it's a subtle difference, and I think if we can work with employers to talk and be willing to entertain a flexible working arrangement as opposed to what otherwise could be seen as a quite rigid part-time work arrangement, then that can help enormously in the negotiations around the discussion. So um, in other words, really thinking about, oh, well, you know, I really want to be back. I love my role. Um, I'm really fulfilled here. Um, I now have caring responsibilities. That's really important to me. I really want to make it work flexibly so I can still be here, still do a great job. Um, you know, still be part of the team that I'm so passionate about, um, but employ on its flexibility. How how may we you know make that work? Perhaps one of the things that you could ask is is really can we use technology to support this option? Yes, because I mean, so many of us can telecommute. You know, we've got mm. our computers, we've got our phones, we don't have to be 
sitting in front of a desk, That's tied right. to the desk all day, um, because you know, we're able to work remotely. And there is a very strong trend now towards remote work. Yes, I mean, companies yeah. such as IBM really support um, remote work. And in fact, um, I know a number of people that, that I know very well in Singapore, the company likes them to stay at home. So I don't come into the office and take up office space. We don't even mm -hmm. do your work from home as well. Yeah. So think about what it is that you do. Are you able to come up with a proposal to your manager or to the company as to this is how it could work? Could we give it a go? Yeah. Because you may find that I'm even more productive as a result of having these flexible working hours. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. One more thing about pulling everything together and assessing what makes you tick is to understand what your achievements have been. And if you go through an exercise to identify your tangible accomplishments or your tangible achievements, you'll find it's a huge confidence booster as well. And once you and working on resumes with, with my clients, this, this is what's so much fun, is once we go through one of the situations you've encountered at work, what were the actions you took to resolve those situations? And then what was the tangible result? Did you save money? Did you save time? Did you improve the process? Did you streamline something? Did you improve productivity or morale or whatever it might be? Once you've actually written down the result of your actions and turn them into a bullet point that you can put into your resume. Mm. That's such a such a confidence booster. It mm. makes such a difference, and it also starts to um, help you to strengthen your resume as well. Mm. So all of these are part of assessing what makes you tick. Um, if you take the time to lay the foundations, then you'll be able to launch your job search very well. Yes, I was just going to say we've spent um, the majority of the time talking about the two things we think are really most the most important: that clarity, being able to do the assessment, pull it together, coming up with your your dream role or bucket list. Um, what would you like to spend the rest of the time today on? Really focusing on Jane at this point. Well. I could talk about careers all day. Um, once I, I would say, once you know what really makes you tick and the industries or companies that you would be to target, or maybe you can create a more satisfying work environment for yourself, then it's a matter of researching to find out which are the companies you want to target. Yes, um, it will be having really strong marketing materials so that you are able to get out there with your resume and cover letters. I'm thinking yeah. probably branding would be very important because if you have a very strong online brand especially, yeah. then employers will be able to find you. What do you think? Should we talk about LinkedIn and how to use Yeah, it? I think it'd be good to talk about yeah. resumes and, and all as you say, self-marketing because it's yeah. changing so much. Yeah. You know, once upon a time it wasn't you know, a nice looking resume, but I just think it's all about the doing these days, isn't it? Oh, so, yeah, without a doubt. So, um, yeah, please share with us your tips on, on how you think we should be uh, marking ourselves. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, well, right now, the reason why I talk about LinkedIn is because it's grown exponentially really over mm. the past well, five, six years. Mm. It's just grown and grown, and now there are over 400 million members on LinkedIn. Um, a recent job fight survey uh, found that 98% of recruiters and uh, HR managers and hiring managers go to LinkedIn to source for candidates as the first point of contact. Um, and so if you're not on LinkedIn, in effect, as a job seeker, um, you are invisible. 
it's a professional networking site. It's it's so important to be on it. And even for people who don't like social media, and I know there are probably many out there who think, no, I don't want to be on social media. Mm -hmm. This is not Facebook. It's a networking mm -hmm. site, a professional networking site. Mm -hmm. And because employers are looking for candidates there, uh, do yourself a favor and create a strong profile. Mm -hmm. um, and if you use the right keywords yourself, when someone's going to be conducting a search, you know, whether they're looking for a marketing leader or a business analyst yeah. or a finance manager or whatever it might be, if you've got the right keywords in there, it's very likely that you will pop up in that search yeah. and be in consideration. Um, if they're searching and you're not there but they find other people, well, you've missed out on an opportunity. And, and what's your view on, um, let's say you do apply for a job and you send a resume in, uh, my view of it would be that it's highly likely that those employers, before they invited you in for an interview, are going to go and check you out on LinkedIn anyway because often they want to have a look at you know your profile and they want to see what you look like and you know who you're connected to and all of those things so um even if you do have a really good resume um i think you need a good linkedin profile even if you're just using resumes to apply for jobs with your chances are you'll be checked out there mm. oh definitely yeah. i don't i also um, advise uh, my clients to include the link to the linkedin uh, public profile URL on their resumes mm. so that um, if you do submit your resume it, it's hyperlinked mm. and they can click on it and go straight to your LinkedIn profile too because on your LinkedIn profile you have the opportunity to gain recommendations yes. and endorsements for your skills I mean it's great to have a written recommendation on LinkedIn mm. um, from someone who has worked with you before so they can vouch for your professionalism and mm. the way that you work so it's almost like a mini reference track even before they get to know you mm. um, but people very often will Google you mm. so how Googleable are you yes. uh, they're yeah. not only going to find you on LinkedIn they might find you on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram so you've got to make sure that your your uh, branding is consistent throughout so no drunken happy snaps on Facebook please mm -hmm. from now on um, do think about what you are posting um, but LinkedIn will be really the first point that, that people will find you because they'll be able to see um, what others say about you and the recommendations they'll be able to see where you've worked um, and also you can put your accomplishments in there too but you know the most important part of LinkedIn is right up at the top it's your photo or yes. image because that needs to look professional so look the part happy snaps not very good uh, pictures with you and the dog or you and yeah. you know children or, or out at the pub are not good it needs to be a professional photo and then underneath your name there's something called the tag on yeah. and normally the default on LinkedIn is your job title acts such and such a company yeah. and, and that's what comes up just naturally if you don't change it yourself but I would recommend that you go into the edit function and change that tagline so it states exactly the keywords that you want to make yourself turn up during the search yeah. so for example yeah. for mine it says um, author of navigating career crossroads mm. so I've got the word career in there again and it's got career coach and it's got LinkedIn coaching so LinkedIn coaching career coach those are all of my keywords so mm. I put them in my LinkedIn profile so people can see that easily and because it's in my profile it's optimized for search so you mm. have to think about the mm. SEO as well mm. so photos important obviously your name will be there your tagline is important and then underneath 
create a powerful summary, like, like mm. a professional profile. And again, earlier we were talking about um, resumes coming on ancient history. Mm. What you want in your summary is for it to project you into your design direction. Yes, that's the key difference yeah. between a resume and a LinkedIn profile, I think. Mm. A LinkedIn profile is about the job you want, yeah. right? It's, mm. it's about saying, um, you know, these are the kind of opportunities you're looking for, um, all the things that traditionally you wouldn't then um, probably expect to see or would feel bold to put on a resume. Um, and I think that's the, the key difference um, between them actually. Um, so I, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to start um, presenting and writing about yourself in the way that you want others to perceive you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, because it's social media and because it's really interactive, you want to be talking to your audience. Think about who you know that avatar, that person is that mm. you want to capture the attention mm. of. For example, what I've got on my uh, LinkedIn profile is I start with many people find it a challenge <laughs> when, when thinking about their careers and they don't know what their true passion and direction is. And so I'm talking to a career changer. Yeah. And so if you land on my profile, um, and I've had people say to me, you were talking to me. And I said, well, you found me, you contacted me. They said, no, you found me, I landed on your profile and you were talking to me. That's what I want your LinkedIn profile to do, is to, to talk, about, uh, talk about the problems that your audience might be experiencing because you are the solution to the problems. Yeah. And so once you identify what their problems are and you can say, ah, well, the solution is, then you can write it very effectively. And that, that makes the LinkedIn profile more interesting as well. Yeah, uh, because so true. often people write yeah. it like it's an obituary. Yeah, yes. <laughs> okay. yeah, and they talk about themselves in third person. This is social media. Keep yeah. it in first person. So much better. Oh, interesting. Um, and I think you know, for some people using the technology of LinkedIn, you know, it's a bit nerve-wracking. Oh, I like press the wrong button. Something might happen. Um, <laughs> I would strongly advise do a search with if you need help. Um, with LinkedIn and getting your profile up to date and really projecting the brand you want to project on um, project on there. Um, contact Jane and I after this and send us an email because um, we can either help you with some first steps or at least um, connect you with people that we might know that be able to do that for you. Because I, I know, I get it, the technology can sometimes be off-putting or the ability to write about yourself can be really off-putting. Yeah. Then don't not do it, go and get help to help you do Yes, it. and also LinkedIn, the platform has changed the look and feel of the past few weeks as well. Yeah. So people who've already got a LinkedIn profile, you may have noticed it looks a little different. Everything's in different places, so you might be wondering where it all is. So, so do keep up to speed as to um, the functionality of platform as well but yeah yes. certainly do get in touch if, if you need any help with LinkedIn. That's great well as we're coming into sort of the closing uh, couple of minutes what are the final things would you like to share with people to take away from um, this conversation today Jane? Well when it comes to your career remember you do spend an awful lot of time working um, and if you are in a role that you're not happy in Honestly, what's the point? I mean, do, do think about what's most important to you. Again, as I mentioned, assess what really makes you tick. Don't be afraid. If you're not sure of what to do, reach out and get help, either from people uh, who have been there before. Perhaps there's a mentor that, that uh, you could reach out to um, who works in the industry that you're interested in, who can give you some advice. Reach out. Don't be afraid 
to ask questions and ask for help because you'll find most people are very willing to help. Um, if you really feel stuck, then obviously getting professional guidance is, is helpful. Find a career coach that you would like to work with and find one that mm. you find you've got good rapport with and you get to know them a little bit, you like them, you trust them, and then work with them. I'm always around, however, my personality may or may not be right for you. So yeah. do your research, talk to a few different coaches and, and find who uh, resonates best with you. Yes, I, I think that's a really important point. It's just worth knowing that so many executives who in positions have coaches. Yeah. And an acknowledgement that they're the, the, I guess the more senior you get and the bigger band that you have in your role, people do need support from mentors, networks, coaches and so on. So um, I, I think don't be afraid to ask for help. Right? You know, elite athletes don't get to the top of their game without having coaches yeah. um, or people that can support them in doing that. So, yeah, so stuck. Yeah, certainly having a leadership coach, an executive coach, or a career coach. What coaches do is to make good people, successful people, even more successful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it, what a coach does is give you clarity, yeah. um, so that you and empower you, so that you can reach. The level that you want to get to. Mm. I mean, just mm. believe in yourself, knock that limiting self belief mm. off your shoulder, and if you want something, take action today. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We have one final question. Thank you, Rebecca. We, we want to answer this question for you. Um, so, I'm working towards a complete change in direction for my career. How do I find the right keywords? So, you've been something, mm -hmm. but you want to be someone else. Mm -hmm. So, quite different. Got a last snippet on um, something you can offer. Yeah, oh, keywords if you're making a change. Um, what you need, if you're making a change, what you need to do is to identify your transferable skills. Because if you were doing something technically very, very different before, um, you might not realize that you've got lots of transferable skills. So think mm. about the different roles that you might be targeting. Have a look at one of the job ads there. See if there is a common thread, because it could be, maybe it's communication skills that are, are required, or maybe it's um, your organizational capability, or analytics, or whatever that might be. That if you've used those skills in the past, because just about every role requires negotiation skills or influencing skills or interpersonal mm. communication skills, though those are probably keywords that will come up time and time again. But certainly do the research, look at a lot of different job ads that are of interest to you, find the common threads and make sure that if you've got that skill, of course, then you work it into your LinkedIn profile and into yeah, your resume I, summary too. I would say a Google search. So if you were looking to hire someone like that into your company, um, where would you begin with a Google search to find someone like that and see who pops up? Um, and yeah, not be afraid to reposition yourself. And that's the great thing about LinkedIn. You can tell the story about you were this, but you're planning yeah. to be this. Yeah, exactly. Um, no more than putting your aspirations and hopes and what you're truly passionate about in LinkedIn because it's a conversation. Yeah. You can always have a look on, on my profile because it's very conversational. So just look for Jane Jackson Career Coach, you'll find me. And in, in that summary, it's I'm talking to you. It'll give you a really good idea as to how you can craft your own summary as well.
I love it. What a great place to end. I'm not sure everyone see all these people on LinkedIn checking you out now, Jane. Um, thank you so much for giving us your time today. They were great tips that really, really appreciate your time. Um, and I will, I'm not going to end without giving your book a final plug. Um, <laughs> if you're interested also in Jane's book, it's Navigating Career Crossroads. It's available on Amazon. Um, I recommend you take a read. Thanks everyone, everyone for joining us and um, have a good afternoon. Thank you.